This is exactly right. Should we do some coffee sips for the ASMR people? Okay. Oh, wait. Oh, God. Welcome to my favorite murder. Ah, the coffee episode. <laughs> We're recording at around four o'clock in the afternoon in the sooty skies of Los Angeles, <laughs> California. It's just everything is burning. The world is burning down and right in the center of it. We're here to help you enjoy murder. Karen, the soothing voice of Karen Kilgariff. And Georgia Hartstark over to my left. And of course, the big sipper himself, <laughs> Stephen Ray Morris. Yeah, Thank did, you, you, did you do a good. nice loud one? Oh, it was hot. Though. Could you hear yourself? <laughs> no, you got to take the hit for the show. It was hot. All right. <laughs> he took another big sip. Like I'm making him chug it like he's uh, joining a frat. Let's pause and chug coffee and then let's get back on and talk. And just start screaming like we can't talk because our mouths are burned. Yeah. That's a that's a subset of ASMR videos. What? Burned mouth ASMR videos. Oh. Do you know what I watched on repeat for like? That wasn't true. Well, what were you about to say? Oh, I just watched this video. There's this. There's this um, Instagram called like Burn It, and they just fucking burn things. <laughs> I think it's like an ASMR for your eyeballs. Is that a thing? Yes. It's, it's called. Um, and they <laughs> especially if you're an arsonist. They, what's it called, Stephen? Do you know? No. Uh, it's called, what liking things burning down is. Yeah, like watching things burn, so they'll pour acid on like soap, and you just watch it. And sometimes you could hear it bubbling, or they'll just torch like a fucking like a little toy, plastic child's toy. Oh, child's toy. Um, but I watched them melting a tube of lipstick over and over. It was so satisfying. What did they use to melt it? Uh, like a fire, like a lighter. Wow. It was so soothing and satisfying. I bet. Did it all, did like the liquid, like the lipstick itself melt and then the plastic melt afterwards? Just the lipstick they did. No, I'm just saying. Yeah, they didn't do it. Describe the order of melting to me. They only put it onto the lipstick and the lipstick melted. Oh, not the container. Oh, God. That was it. Elvis has joined us. Hey, Elvis. Um, Um, Let's talk about murder. I have an update from the Amish murders that I talked about a couple weeks ago. This email says, Karen, Georgia, Stephen, and all the animals lost my shit listening to you tell the little boy blue murder. My friends made fun of me, so it would be ideal if you could read this on the podcast so they feel hella dumb. In your fucking face. I <laughs> grew up on a farm. Fuck you. So <laughs> yeah. She'll read it. Who doesn't? I grew I up mean. on a farm around the area where the body was found, but I had to let you n- know that you missed the uplifting gives you hope in the whole fucked up story ending. Uh, the people of Chester, population 225, oh raised money to bury the unidentified boy under the name of Mat- Matthew, which means gift from God. Mm-hmm. The memorial service was packed with 400 people, almost double the population of the entire town. Um, people still visit his grave and leave toys and flowers. Mm-hmm. 
and they maintain his memorial, even rebuilding it after a tornado. I grew up there about a decade later, and I still heard the story, and my parents pointed out the memorial every time we drove by. The town completely adopted the little boy blue, and even now feels so strongly about honoring his memory. <clears throat> uh, just thought you might like to know that even though there are crazy assholes who murder their wives, roommates, and children, there are also tiny Nebraska towns who open their hearts to show a lot of love. SSDGM. Can't wait to catch you in St. Louis in a couple weeks, Kaylee. Oh, I love it. Nebraska. I love it. I mean, always let us know if there's a, a uplifting ending we've missed. Jesus. Please. My, that's amazing. Can someone email us right now and tell me about my story this week's uplifting ending? Because I couldn't find it. Oh, it's a bummer. Yeah. Um, I okay, I, okay. You were gonna tell me about a show that you watched that you really like called Where? It's a movie. Okay, it's a documentary. Okay. What's so it about? it's um, oh, right. a, an author named Gay Talese who uh, is was very famous for doing kind of like expose type of essay th- um, long reads in the seventies. I've never I'm I made most of that up uh, <laughs> based on what I saw briefly in this documentary. I've always heard his name. I've never read him but anyway he's uh, clearly brilliant and has been doing it forever and he got contacted by a man i'll just do this the lightest version possible so there's no spoilers he was contacted by a man who had a 30-year secret <gasps> and the secret is uh because obviously the name of the movie is voyeur the man owned a motel that he set up so that he could go watch people through the vents in the ceilings in every room Oh, my God. But he didn't uh, record it on video. He just would go up there, watch them, and then recorded in minute detail what he saw. Like into a tape recorder? In, onto a, into a journal. And then he basically gave Gatesley's <gasps> these writings. Oh, can you imagine how happy he, he she was? It, 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 you have to see it because at first I'm like, this is so weird and disgusting. This guy's such a pervert. But no one's acting like that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's just a fascinating... I just highly recommend it. I'm going to watch that. Do you think you've ever been, like, watched illegally? You know what I mean? Like, in a hotel room? Odds are, yes. God, I think I would think all the gross things I've done. And I hope it wasn't then. In a hotel room, you know? <laughs> well, I think that's the appeal of hotel rooms. You're supposed to. It's right. like this weird kind of neutral space where you get yeah. to do things you would never do at home. Right. And so that's kind of like... he He was already a voyeur, and then he bought... The mo- it's a motel. He bought it with that in mind. That's crazy. Because he knew that would be the perfect place. Why am I like, well, he d- at least he didn't videotape them. It's like, that's not better. I know. But these days, we're all just trying to go like, is it the worst thing yeah. ever? Or are we trying to like, oh, can we hold back a little judgment? But yeah. I think that's what this documentary is kind of about. Yeah. Is the way we all do that in lots of different ways. I love it. It's good. I highly recommend it. I want to recommend this show that I found that I had to watch three times on Amazon. It's a pilot. I don't know if it's... I don't think it's gotten picked up yet. It's called Sea Oak. And it's so fucking weird and good. It's like a dark comedy. Okay. Where it's Glenn Close as this like boring old woman who lives with her like niece and nephew... nieces and nephew. And it's fucking crazy and gets really dark. Okay, I want to see that. Essentially... Essentially... And I'm kind of spoiling it, but this is what the... Pre- don't, don't, don't Okay. 
Glenn Close. Jack Quaid, he's like the boy in it, and he's like the cutest little thing you've ever seen. Who is, Not is boy, he? he's like a guy, he's like a grown man. Is he Dennis Quaid's relative? I don't know. Mm. It's is it good. Sea Oak, like the ocean? S-E-A Oak? S-E-A Oak. It's okay. like, and I think it takes place in a like dystopian future, kind of. Okay. It's really good. I want to watch more episodes. I hope they make more. Now I really want to watch yeah. it. Um, can I do one more? Yeah. Because it just, I did, I didn't talk about Godless last week, did I? Mm-mm. Uh, it's a Western that's on Netflix and it, apparently I tweeted about it that how, how badass it is. Cause it's great. And Merritt Weaver is one of the stars and she was from nurse Jackie. She's one of my very uh, favorite actresses. Oh, yes. She's the one who gave that Emmy speech by walking up and going, um, thanks and leaving. And I was like, <laughs> I've never loved anyone more. She's the best. Oh, it's good. But she's also such a great, great, great actress. Yeah. But anyway, it's this, it's basically this town and this, town a western town in i think it's new mexico i can't remember Mm -hmm. they're just besieged by bad guys Mm -hmm. and what happens to the town there's a little history before there's a certain circumstance um is it a western it's a western and but lady mary from downton abbey is Uh in it michelle dockery this amazing actor british actor named jack somebody who is just like hot as can be uh-huh. um, and then Jeff Daniels plays the bad guy oh I think Vince and I started watching this it's very slow at first yeah. because it's a western and it's like they're doing it just like westerns get done I cannot tell you how much westerns bore me right and I know like I know I'm gonna get shit for that but it's like well it's your opinion they're so slow uh well not all of them and sometimes yeah. it's I feel like this knew what it was doing. Yeah. So it had, it did a thing at the beginning that was so crazy. Also, Sam, uh, the one from Law and Order, who I love. Oh, yeah. With the, uh, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, there's a beginning that goes, you just are like, what the fuck is this? Mm. And then it, and then it like goes into really unfolding. But there's an interesting thing. Someone sent me a link, um, that said I got bummed out about that show after I read this article and it was an article that was like a, trying to be a takedown saying people are saying this is the feminist Western we've all been waiting for and here's how it's not. Uh-huh. Um, but I would just encourage people because I know sometimes people write those things and I understand it's kind of trying to say like, don't label things right. the thing that you say it is if it's not going to do A, B and C. Right. Especially if the person who made it, that wasn't their intention. I don't think it was their intention, but I will argue that you see women in this series doing things you have never seen them in any modern right. or otherwise kind of show before. And this is the old West. Yeah. So it should, it, it like has more meaning. I don't know. I just thought it was really brilliantly written and acted. Cool. Um, so anyway, I I, just in case somebody's gotten a hold of a bad article, I would just say test the waters first okay. for at least a couple episodes. Okay. Cause it's, I think it's really good. Okay. I'll do it. Okay. I love it. Um, Oh yeah. Oh, also merch corner. We're so we have our our 2017 tour is over as of this weekend. So we're going to post some merch that we only sold at live shows and it was cr- designed by our friend Dave Clock who's a fucking super talented artist. You may have seen all of his posters. He did the Meltdown show. He did like all of their posters and designs and it was really awesome stuff. And so we had him uh, draw something for us and it's beautiful and you can get it at my favorite murder shirts.com and it's it's cool you like yeah them? that's it um get those i i got a steven just gave me a printed up instagram apparently this is what you kids spend all your time on on this instagram 
Um, I don't go on there, but it was from Colleen Elizabeth. Colleen's oh, the chick who... Her name was Colleen. What'd she say? God damn it, Clarissa. <laughs> Explains it all. Uh, <laughs> it explains everything. She she replied. Uh, she sent a picture of what she gave me. And a drawing said, that we talked about last week. The beautiful horizon drawing. Yeah. She. Yeah. Um, so she said, I gave a painting to MFM's Carical Gareth at the Minneapolis show. I was too broke to buy good tickets. So my friend and I bought cheap ones. And I left the painting with a girl sitting at the VIP table. I was pretty sure it would never make it to her. The shout out on the pod was more than I ever expected and the outpouring of support is overwhelming my shop is empty I love it. thanks to a few murderinos who bought things new work is coming soon thanks you guys i'm humbled by the support also um, my frames are made by my incredible boyfriend uh, at MN Creative Woodcraft. Uh, he's an amazing woodworker and the best frame maker I've never paid. And it, I specifically mentioned the <laughs> yeah, frame because did. it's the coolest. It's like it's floating inside a frame. I went on her site because we posted it. You can see the photo on Instagram uh, on my favorite murder Instagram. I went on her site and I'm like fucking going to buy something when she reposts. There's so there's so many and they're so beautiful. Oh, good. Yeah, I look at I, I've. When I first put it up, I put it in a weird spot. And then I realized I want to put it in a spot I pass constantly. It's that like yeah, soothing to it me. Is. It's I'm so nice. One. I love it. Yay. And um, thanks you guys for supporting her. Yeah. Everyone, you murderinos are fucking good people. Thank you. Yeah. So who's going first this week based on our new algorithm? How's your, how's your murder? I don't believe in the new algorithm. Okay. It doesn't work that way. Okay. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. I went, well, how about I went first last week? Right? Yeah, I'll do it. Right? Yes. <laughs> Steven, goddammit. Steven, it's Wait, one of the 29,000 things you have you to do. You have 29,000 things to do, And Steven. you can't do this one I of definitely Wait, went first. Check my notes, okay. my notes. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. We don't even need you. Who cares Steven? about your notes? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, because Karen went last, last yep. time. Yeah. <laughs> I went first last night? Oh, last, last. You went last, last time. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you just say, okay. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like, perfectly scrambled eggs. Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, 
Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Well, then, let me tell you a little something about a man, and you may have heard of him. <gasps> uh, he was an evil doctor during World War II named Marcel Petois. Oh, my God. I think that's how you say his name. That sounds beautiful. I've watched a documentary about him. I've done a couple things. I still can't remember how to pronounce his name. Petois sounds beautiful. P-E-T-I-O-T. Petois. Petois. I mean, I took French for two years, so I'm pretty much a a citizen. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. So Marcel Petois was born January 7th, 1897 at... What did you write? What it's you- the eighth word and I'm stopped cold. No, it's Auxerre, I believe, or Auxerre, uh-huh. maybe. Okay. A-U-X-E-R-R-E. You know what I might do for the rest of this story is replace French words with American ones. Yeah. So um, he was born January 17th, 1897 in Austin, France, a <laughs> hundred miles south of Paris. Um <laughs> His neighbors allege that he enjoyed torturing animals from an early age, mm. and they say his first arrest. Uh, and a lot of people say that this is stuff that came up after after his uh, most famous arrest, uh-huh. and that it was just neighbors talking and making stuff up. Yeah, but it doesn't seem out of the bounds of any story we've ever told before. Yeah. Like, um, his first arrest uh, was after he made sexual advances toward a male classmate, then fired his father's gun inside a classroom. Uh, he was 11. Whoa. <laughs> Shit. Uh-huh. I was like, great. In college? That's right? fine. If you do the, if you shoot a gun in college. It's expected. It's right. like Van Wilder shit. You got to do it. Sure. It's how you it's get it out. The freshman 15 millimeter. <laughs> B- bullets. Bullets. Yeah. Uh, so then between 1907 and 1909, when he was between t- 10 and 12 years old, um, his parents told doctors that he was prone to convulsions and sleepwalking, Uh-oh. and he habitually wet his trousers mm-hmm. and bed. Don't wet your trousers. Don't. That means head injury, probably, right? Uh, head injury, and maybe... I, it sounds to me with the other stuff that he's done in his life, that he was like a psychopath, maybe, yeah. from or some serious organic brain issue was like, taking place. classic shit. So classic. Let's get a swing in there. Um... <laughs> Sorry. So 
<laughs> they keep her belching away from them. I just want everyone to know that she, she just keeps like, you keep throwing, like kind of throwing yourself back onto the couch to belch and then coming back forward. It's not belching. It's like a little hiccup. Just doing a, no, it was a full, that was a full on belch. Good. Um, okay. This is a, this is a real ASMR episode. In the bad way. Okay, so his mother dies in 1912. His daughter, his father takes a job 15 miles away. He has to stay with his aunt. Him and his brother go to live with his aunt. And while he's between, when he's staying with her, he gets expelled from one school. He gets sent back with his dad. He gets expelled from another school. Jesus. All from, quote, overexcitement and, quote, unruly behavior. So he's just, he's out of his mind. Um, and then he finishes his education in a special academy in Paris in July of 1915. Um, so then when he's a teenager, he gets into p- the petty crime standard fare. He robs a mailbox. But in court, he's found not guilty because of mon- mental illness. So he sa- a, c- a pattern starts to set up pretty early of he does fucked up shit. He claims insanity or, or gives them... Um, uh, he tells them about stuff and they go, Oh no, he, he doesn't have to go to jail. Uh-huh. He's crazy. And then he gets out and just keeps on doing stuff, which I think is, th- th- could be a theory. The psychopath learned early that if you say I have these things, uh-huh. then you never have to kind of pay for your crimes. You yeah. just do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, it's kind of what it seems like. So. In uh, 1916, he's drafted into the French infantry to fight in World War One. Uh, I typed World War One J, so I don't know if that was a, that was a side project. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Remember when World War One started, and then it was a, it was A through uh, before maybe what, J. Maybe what you're doing is you try to make an emoji of a smiley face. You know when someone does that and they don't have an iPhone and it's just a J. Maybe maybe it's World War smiley face. Oh my god, that's a cute war. It was World War One is like have you ever watched like a movie that's like a true to life World uh-huh. War One story where it's like mm, it's the horrifyingest horrifying and horrify land. It's like. Everything was up close, like bayonet style, but then some mustard gas and they would go through. It went on and on. They Everything's killed millions wet. of people. It's, it's snowing. You don't have an, you don't have fucking boots for snow. No, it's barbed wire. Trenches mud filled with water and rats. It's like they went to a mud field and were like, let's settle it here. And then they just kept sending people. The soldiers would come out and they would have to go to rest homes because they would have shell shock and they would just totally. get sent back out over and over and That's over. Crazy. Just a nightmare town. So picture it, everyone. Put yourself there. Let's go there. Now, <laughs> um, in a town called AISNE, um, <laughs> he had been gassed. He was wounded. Um, and then he exhibited signs of a mental breakdown. Now, of course, it would make perfect sense that he would be doing that anyway. Yeah. But he also could have been trying to get out of sure. going there. Sure. I would too. Um, 100%. He went to what they called them clinics and rest homes. So he got sent to a couple um, where he was arrested for stealing army blankets. Hmm. Where are you going to go with that blanket, Marcel? <laughs> what do you, what? Marcel, how many do you even need? I mean, you can't march with them. No. You're going to get caught by the guy that yells. Okay. <laughs> He's jailed for that. Mm-hmm. And then they put him back onto the front in uh, June of 1918. Like three weeks later, he shoots himself in the foot, literally. Yeah, that's what I would have done. And that's the thing that they, it used to be that they would, people would do that or put their hand up. Did you ever, there yeah. was a movie where the guy puts his hand up yeah. and gets his hand shot off. And then he's, uh, what is that? Cowardice? They, they court martial you for that. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, he does that. He gets diagnosed with amnesia, sleepwalking, depression, and suicidal tendencies, and he ends up getting discharged with a 40% disability pension. Um, then in September of 1920, he, his case gets reviewed, and they up the rating to 100%. Oh, my God. It would be very fascinating... I want to, there's so much in this story. It's crazy. I honestly do. I say it all the time, but I really do want to read a book about this one because to figure out or to read about, was it him learning the system yeah. and gaming it? Or was he fucking bananas? Yeah. And did the bananas build into what his crimes that came later? <laughs> the bananas. The bananas build into a whole banana tree. <laughs> uh, okay. So. The person that reviewed that and said he should have 100% disability mm -hmm. uh, also suggested that he be committed to an asylum. Mm. Um, but he had already entered a mental hospital, not as a patient. <laughs> he had gone through an accelerated education program for mm -hmm. war veterans. And he'd gone to, he, in eight months, he finished medical school and he was serving a two year psychiatric internship. See, he's putting it on. He's right? putting the whole thing on. Then. He knows. Right? I couldn't do that. And I'm a fucking sound man. Well, <laughs> well, cause he's a, I mean, he's from what they say, he was yeah. a super genius. This is part, that's part. He's like a oh, super me, villain. Me too. Uh, true, true. <laughs> So anyway, he, so now he's like, they, it's like the patients are running the asylum. Anyway, <laughs> so fascinating. Um, I wish we could just see like, a, all I want is like a 10 second video clip of him. I know it does, it doesn't exist and it's impossible, but wouldn't that be cool? Well, I'll tell you this. If you want to think about him while I tell you the story, he has kind of crazy Ron Lynch hair. That doesn't help many people who are listening. Sorry. He ha well, you know what? He has kind of Stephen-y Stephen hair. hair. He's got, he's got hair that it looks like he throws it back and forth yeah. in every direction across his head all the time. Cause it's like bloofy. Yeah. And it, well, there's a lot of body and some mm -hmm, curl. Mm -hmm. Um, and he also has a mustache. What? Steven, are but, you a time traveler? Here's the difference though. And we're going to keep our eye on you, Steven. <laughs> One of his eyes is way bigger than the other. What? So there's a picture of him that kept coming up when he, I was trying to find like videos on YouTube. And it, it looks like a cartoon of a surprised person, but that's what his face looked like. Surprise. I'm a psychopath. Surprise. My eyes look crazy. <laughs> um, he, yeah, he gets his degree on December 15th, 1921 from a Faculté de Médecins de Paris. That was great. Thank you. I got super scared in the middle. Um, and then he becomes a full on doctor. What the fuck? It says full fledged on the paper because I cut and pasted it. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so then he starts a practice in Villeneuve sur Ion. Uh, I mean, um, and he's getting paid not by his patients who come to see him. And then he's also still getting mm. uh, government assistance. Mm -mm. Um, and he's on tons of drugs. So he's one of those doctors that's like, you know, popping pills the whole time. They're all on drugs, right? I mean, wouldn't you be? Yeah. Because also you have to know how drugs work. You have to take them a little bit. Yeah. You have to kind of educate yourself. Right. But then also you just have them around. Yeah. Freebies. It's like constantly. me with those fucking peanut M&Ms. I can't keep my hand out of that thing. <laughs> Anyhow. Oh, you. <laughs> okay, so... They believe his first victim is a woman named Louise um, Delaveau, and she is the daughter of an, one of his elderly patients. He starts having an affair with her in 1926, and soon after that affair starts, um, 
the their home is burglarized and set on fire hmm. um and they they suspect him marcel petois um and then louise disappears may 1926 the woman he's having an affair with disappears that's right okay so it, it's like they're dating it's all going off she's like he Did might you be the one say she she was elderly her relative was elderly who went like, it's almost like the young girl brought the Got old it. grandma to the doctor Got and it. then he's like well hello hello to you young lady <laughs> and hello to you um okay so the neighbors say that they saw uh petois load a big trunk into his car uh-uh. and uh then weeks later, one is fished out of a river that looks very similar to the one that they saw him loading into his car. Shit, and when they fish it out of the river, it's filled with dismembered, decomposed remains of a young woman who's never identified. What? And the police, um, after learning all of the mm-hmm. that cell hole setup, decide that she's a runaway. So no. Yeah. You know, those fucking 1920s French runaways. (laughs) They throw on their beret and they're fucking out of there. Get the fuck out of there. You can kind of get a baguette anywhere. So you could be on the road for as long as you wanted. That's true. Back in the day. Later days. Au revoir, motherfucker. That's right. Bring that red lipstick, girl. Girl. Just throw it in your pocket and smoke. Okay. (laughs) The same year. Now it's going to seem like I'm changing the subject to a different podcast. He runs for mayor. the thing where you're like yeah you oops i i was doing another paper on something else and i combined the two yeah i'm like what wikipedia article is this that i'm cutting and pasting now no this guy is all over the place he's he's got a ton of energy he's got wild eyes because <laughs> well, he has all the meds he needs yeah i bet he's just taking coke pills for real and i have a coke pill please i mean here's the thing here's the downside we were actually talking about this the other night because some i was telling somebody one of my speed in the 90s mm-hmm. uh resulting in uh, seizure stories mm-hmm. and I was like you know. everybody thinks you do this you go through this thing in your like 20s and 30s where mm-hmm. you're like I can just kind of do whatever and then it's like your late 30s and early 40s is when you find out you absolutely can't yeah. like there's going to be a bottom dropping out of this kind of casual Adderall phase that everyone goes through which God bless <laughs> no judgment Yeah, but like you can't do it forever and yeah. you got to make a plan for when you stop because it's bad for you it, like your heart valves and shit oh no be careful okay as for someone who is on fucking permanent seizure medication yeah. let me just tell you from the other side of that it's not pretty <laughs> and it hasn't happened yet it's going to be yeah. like the new like mesothelioma ads that are on TV. Do you it's think gonna I'm going to be like fucked in any way? How much do you take? Have you ever had a heart attack? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Should I do it right now? Well, let's just keep our eye on that. <gasps> I mean, listen, everybody's doing what they need to do. You know what I mean? These days, especially so. Okay, so he's out leading the people. Um, <laughs> oh, right. The mayor thing. Yeah. What the fuck? I'm, we have to get back into the story that doesn't make any sense with what I was have been telling you about. Okay. Can he lay low? Mr. No, Crazy he cannot. Pants? He's a psychopath. Yeah. He's like he he's got it. He's got the world on a string. Oh my god! So um, he hires an accomplice. <laughs> the reason he won is because he hired an accomplice to disrupt a political debate with his opponent. So he wins. Like he basically fucked with his opponent and then won. Mm-hmm. Um, then he <laughs> once he's in office embezzles from the town. Jesus, dude! <laughs> uh, this guy's living his life. He's just. You know what it is? I feel like. And this does remind me of being on speed. It's that thing of when you're in the moment, you're like, fuck it. Yes. Or fuck it. Like you just yeah. decide to grasp it while you can. Yeah. And I'm going to do all of the crazies. Do it all. 
just pretend like nothing's going to happen in an hour or a day. <laughs> just go for it. Okay. Okay. In 1927, he marries a woman named Georgette Labla. <laughs> <laughs> It's another key said blah 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 blah. <laughs> Georgette blah blah. She talks so much. Oh no, Georgette. Uh-huh. Um, and they have a son named Gerhart. Sorry. Okay. Local authorities received numerous complaints about uh, his theft and shady financial dealings, as he's the mayor. <laughs> um, and he's eventually suspended in August of 1931, and he and resigns. The village council also resigned in, th- in sympathy. I don't know what a, vin- a village council is, but it sounded like he had manipulated people in the town so much mm-hmm. and gotten them convinced that, like, no, he's the best, that when they were like, you can't be the mayor anymore, they were like, we're going to. Oh, my God. Yeah. Five weeks later, on October 18th, he's elected as a counselor for the Yon District, Y-O-N-N-E. It's like Yvonne with no V, mm. um, unless something happened. <laughs> unless there was a V. Unless it is Yvonne. Maybe the V dropped off the page when I wasn't paying yeah, attention. Yvonne France. Um and she wears so much perfume. Uh, 1932, he's accused of stealing electric power from the village huh. <laughs> near... That's quaint. Not quaint. He's like looking some shit up. Yeah. He's like, what? It's just for my RV. Um, but he'd moved it. By the time they figured that out, they were like, you're off the council. And he had already moved to Paris. So it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And while he's there, he sets up a new a practice and he makes up all these credentials. And all these people are like, oh, my God, have you heard of this guy? He's the new doctor yeah. in town. You can't Google it. Exactly right. LinkedIn him. It's all word of mouth. He probably Mm -hmm. got the one influential person, made him love him. Mm -hmm. Um, Gave him a Coke pills. That's right. But while outwardly charming and popular with most of his patients, uh, he secretly enrolled them for state medical assistance, thereby ensuring that he was paid twice for each treatment. So he's like a Medicare scammer. Okay. From Jump, the original. Um, And... uh, he favored addictive narcotics in his prescriptions. So That's he was just all. giving people fucked up shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, when one pharmacist complained of the near fatal dose that he prescribed for a child, he, his reply was, what difference does it make to you? Because <laughs> I don't want children to be dead. <laughs> Isn't it better to do away with this kid who's not doing anything in the world but pestering its mother? Holy shit. So not a lot of compassion. I mean, it doesn't feel like that's his angle or f- filter on life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, this kid who's not doing anything. He's just kind of sick. Just needs a little bit of help from a doctor. And he's, but, uh, and then the what do kids do? I mean, I guess back then they worked in the coal mines and shit. They were like, oh, I'd love some speed. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But the mother has to intervene. Okay. Um, and then in 1936, he's appointed the Médecin d'État Civil with authority. So he can now write death certificates. <laughs> They just keep going, My God. you're really fucked up. Here's a little bit more responsibility. <laughs> Can you take over this project? We just want to help you kill people a little yeah. more. Yeah. So, um, and that same year, he's institutionalized for kleptomania. What the fuck? Uh-huh. Um, so after the, so then World War II breaks out. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. And. You mean World War K. <laughs> J.K. World War K. World War one K. Um, Roman numerals. We've gone into Roman oh, numerals of the world no. wars. So France falls and uh 
he start of course now he's just taking advantage he's doing he's giving people weird fake certificates saying people are sick when they're not to get out of shit and he's really like basically nilly. running kind of a black markety situation okay. and he, he's convicted in <laughs> 1942 of over prescribing narcotics um but when he's going to go to court and there's two addicts that were going to testify against him the cops got them to flip on him they disappeared <gasps> so uh he would end up just being fined i bet they're in the attic 24 attic <laughs> they're in the attic's attic yes mm-hmm. uh so he's fine 2400 francs and oh. they're just like great please don't do it anymore yeah. oops these guys disappeared so you're off the hook yeah uh he brags to anyone who listened that he's developing secret weapons that can kill germans without leaving forensic evidence mm-hmm. um that he's having high level meetings with allied commanders that he's fighting for this resistance group and that resistance group all over town mm-hmm. um he's talking telling stories about that he's planting booby traps around paris all this shit booby traps uh he even says that he works with a group of anti-fascist spaniards Turns out that group never existed. Oh, my God. Um, nor did many of the things that he talked about. Okay. Um, but the thing that he stumbled upon that made him the most money and started off the reason he eventually became famous is he started his own false escape route out of uh, occupied France. Explain that to me. Called Fly, fly Talk. So basically the Germans invade uh-huh. Paris uh-huh. and they take over and then they start saying you you Jews can only live in this area mm-hmm. and you can only go to the oh get on the train. So mm-hmm. of course everyone's trying to get out of France mm-hmm. and he's like I can get you out all you need is 25,000 francs yeah. come to my house. He's one of those. Let's do this <gasps> thing. Yeah. So uh his code name is Dr. Eugene. I don't know. I think he made that up. Well, that's not really cunning. It's not cool sounding. No. Um, so all it took was if you had the money and, uh, he's, and he, uh, basically said he could arrange safe passage to Argentina or somewhere else in South America through Portugal. So he got people to come to his office or his, his this apartment and he told them that the argentinian officials needed them to be inoculated so that he had to give them a shot no and then he he gave them a shot that was cyanide (gasps) killed them took all of their belongings and their money and disposed of their bodies and oh no they were and all the people that that heard about him and went to him in secret to get out of france were never seen again oh no um so at first he dumped the bodies in the seine uh but he later destroyed them by submerging them in quicklime or burning them in this basement so um in 1941 he buys a house at 21 rue le and what he fails to do is again keep a low profile so the gestapo finds out that there's this dude dr eugene that's getting jews and uh resistance fighters and all these people whoever has twenty five thousand dollars out of france mm-hmm. franks um so they send <clears throat> an a, like a spy named robert judkin um or sorry an agent, a Gestapo agent named Robert Judkin makes a for a force, a prisoner named Yvonne Dreyfus says, you have to go be a spy. Go contact this guy. Say you're trying to get out of mm-hmm. Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, he disappears. Oh, no. So then now the Nazis are, are on to him. Oh, shit. Um, so then, uh, uh, okay. So on March 6, 1944, this is just get, get to the good part. 
because this is fucking crazy. And this is where I stumbled upon a documentary about this. And this is where the documentary starts. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. I watched like a third of it. It was incredible. I thought I hit record. I had to go Mm. leave to do something else. Came back. Didn't record it. Can't find it. Can't find it on you. I can't find it anywhere. Yeah, of course not. But it started here. And the way they told it was so good that I was like, this is the best story. So March 6, 1944. There's smoke coming from the chimney, chum, the chimney of that house. Mm-hmm. And then it smells so bad and it's burning and burning and burning. So the neighbors complain. And five days later, they in a group go to the police and they're just like, someone's got to do something about the smell coming out of this house mm-hmm. and the smoke coming out of this house. Um, uh, so when they all go down to the front door on March 11th, they find a note on the door that says, um, I'll be back in a month. Uh, so, um, they find out that he also lives in that other house. Mm -hmm. He has two houses. Um, so the police call that house. It's two miles away. They call that house. Um, and the Patois answers the phone and says, have you gone inside yet? And the police are like, no. And he goes, okay, don't do anything. I'll be there in 15 minutes. And they're like, okay. And then he never shows up. So half an hour later, it's now fully engulfed fire and they have to call the fire department so that the other buildings nearby don't burn down. And when the fire department breaks into the second story window, they come upon a scene that's just bodies and body parts what? everywhere they look. Um, so then Patois arrives and he, when the police are like, what the fuck is going on in your house? He's like, I'm a member of the French resistance and I've been luring Germans and Nazis to that apartment and killing them. Uh-huh. And of course, everyone, all the French people were like, great. Yeah. This is perfect. I hate those guys. Yeah. Don't worry about this. Yeah. And so, uh, they didn't arrest him. Because everyone was like, well, he's part of the resistance. Let's keep it up. Yeah. Uh, and, and, or talk about it. But then they search the garage and that's when they find a pit filled with quicklime with human re- remains still in it. Um, then th- on the staircase, there's a f- canvas sack with human remains inside and enough body parts for at least 10 complete bodies. What the fuck? 10. Um, and then the basement is had sinks that were large enough for draining corpses of their blood. Uh-uh. And there's a soundproof octagonal chamber with wall-mounted shackles <gasps> and a peephole in the center of the door. Oh my god, what a creep. Yeah, so they're not this isn't just like trick a spy into coming yeah. to your basement and kill them. There's something else going on. Yeah. Um and so, but they don't know if he it truly is a yeah. member of the resistance or if he's a German, um, like being like a, a double agent or whatever. Yeah. And so as the, the, um, a veteran Paris police commissioner, Georges Victor Marceau, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm sorry. That he runs the investigation. Um, and while he's there investigating this crime scene, it's one thirty in the morning. They get a telegram from police, Paris police headquarters mm-hmm. from the Germans that the occupying, mm-hmm. I mean, that I, they keep saying Germans in this murderpedia. There's like, you know, seven articles on murderpedia. Mm-hmm. They keep saying Germans, but I think Germans in occupied France were Nazis. I don't, th- mm-hmm. right? I would assume so, yeah. I would think so. Yeah. Let me know when I'm wrong. Um, Never. America. So <laughs> they get a, they get a telegram from the Nazis saying, uh, quote, order from German authorities, arrest Patois, dangerous lunatic. Oh so God. then they're like, okay, he's not a German. Yeah. Um, so 
in his other apartment, they find it abandoned, but they find large amounts of chloroform, digitalis, and other poisons, in addition to large amounts of um, unusual medical remedies. Um, So uh, they find a man... Um, who had gone to him to Patois to escape, but had ended up changing his mind. And he said Patois had offered him passage to South America for $25,000. So, uh, then while they're going through that basement with all the body parts, they find the remains of the two drug addicts that were going to testify against him mm-hmm. in that narcotics case. And now they know there's, it's the proof that those witnesses were murdered and that this guy was not, uh, being a noble Frenchman that yeah. was trying to fight the resistance. Uh, then they get his brother Maurice and Maurice immediately cracks and is like, yep, we, we delivered quick climb to this apartment. Um, we also, uh, his wife Georgette was arrested, um, on suspicion of aiding him and his accomplices, Nezodette, Porchon and Albert and Simon Newhausen confessed that they helped remove up to 40 suitcases mm. from the house. Um, Why does anyone need 40 suitcases? Is you, what they should have asked. If you have 50 bodies, you're going to need at least 40 suitcases. Yeah. Um, so then the investigation comes to a halt because the invasion of Normandy happens. So everyone's like, sorry about this insane, like multiple murderer. We've got to go. Yeah. So for seven months, Patois hides with his friends. He grows a beard, changes his appearance. He has all these different aliases. He has friends. Well, I mean, but he told the friends that he oh, was yeah. fighting for the French okay, resistance. They believe it. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, hide him here. And yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it was that, that whole story. The Paris police rose up against and, and the, and the citizens, um, and the resistant rose up against the German troops in Paris, the Nazis occupying France. Um, that's when Patois changes his name to Henri, uh, Valerie, and he joins the French forces of the interior, becomes a captain in charge of counter espionage and prisoner interrogations, and basically is in the mix with the resistance for real. Um, Shit. yeah. So then somewhere in that time, uh, a, a, his defense lawyer for that narcotics trial that he got off on, um, gets a, uh, that lawyer gets a letter from Patois saying um, that there was an article in a newspaper called Resistance that was all about Patois and what he did. Mm-hmm. And he so he took the time to send his lawyer, his old lawyer, a letter saying, look, that article is all lies. Yeah. So now the police know he's still in France. Yeah. So um, there's a manhunt across France, France to find him or across Paris, I should say. But he ends up participating in the manhunt for himself. Are you fucking kidding? As Henri Valerie. Oh my God. Uh, which is fucking rad. Yeah. Uh, okay. So he's, he's recognized finally at the Paris metro station on October 31st and he's arrested. Um, among his possessions were a pistol. Uh, he had over 30,000 francs on him and 50 sets of identity documents, <gasps> um, which were pro- a lot of them probably victims. How of many his. suitcases did he have? He <laughs> <laughs> was like those families at LAX yeah. are just stacking them up. Like, uh-huh. where are you going yeah. and what are you fucking bringing? You're a bad packer. I, you can buy anything anywhere. There's a yeah. CVS on the remotest island. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. 
he put he's put on death row um he says he's innocent and he's a great fighter for the resistance and he also says that he found the pile of bodies at that apartment (laughs) in february of 1944 he assumed that they were all collaborators um uh that the members of his network had killed Uh so he was just like well there's leave him there then yeah that's only right that's not my problem well the police look into all his stories about his time with the resistance and all the freedom fighting that he did found out he had no friends in any of the major resistance groups um there was no proof of any of the exploits that he claimed like booby trapping all of paris Uh and um most of the groups that he named never existed in the first place Uh so the anti-fascist spaniards he was talking about all made up um so they eventually charge him with 27 murders for profit. And he he basically took these people for an estimated 200 million francs. Holy shit. So he goes on trial March 19th, 1946. He's facing 135 criminal charges altogether. Um, and his lawyer, René Florois, <laughs> I'm trying to bug myself, is up against... A prosecution team that's the state prosecutors plus 12 civil lawyers all hired by the relatives of the victims Uh that are just like, go fucking get him. Uh Um, And he he basically tried to say in court that the victims were collaborators or double agents like Uh they deserve to die Um, and or that they were living in South America under new names and that they're all fools or whatever. he did admit to killing 19 of the 27 victims in his house, but he claimed they were Germans and collaborators. His lawyer attempted to make him look like a resistance hero, but nobody, the judge, the jury, nobody bought it. He's, uh, so he ended up being convicted of 26 counts of murder, sentenced to death. And, um, on May 25th, uh, after a stay of a few days, because there was a problem with the mechanism in the guillotine, he was beheaded. Oh my god. That's our guy, Marcel Petois. Uh, Bonjour. Man. I want to see a photo of him. Wow. That was great. Thank you. Fuck him. There's something about the sound of an old timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye 
Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in-network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter her promo code space 80. Goodbye. Oh, we're back from a little break. And when I was peeing, I looked it up and the Instagram with the melting nail polish lipstick is called watch it melt. Sweet. So check that's that like out. the whole account. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty great. Okay. So we talked about this recently. This is the story of the murder of Peggy Hetrick. Remember her? Mm-mm. Let's you will. Okay. On the morning of February 11th, 1987, a bicyclist uh, is investigates what he thinks is a mannequin oh. laying in the field uh, in Fort Collins, Colorado. What it actually is, is the body of 37-year-old Peggy Hetrick. Um, and she's dead. Her purse is still slung around her shoulder. Belongings are inside. There's a half-smoked cigarette in a pool of blood nearby. Ugh. There's a trail of blood a hundred feet from her body at, to the small pool on the curb. Her bra, blouse, and um, black coat have been pushed up above her breasts, and her underwear and jeans are pulled down to her knees. I remember you know this, this conversation now. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. At the scene, investigators collect two hairs. They're not her hair, and thirteen fingerprints from her purse that aren't hers, and they. Um, they also uh okay so they they theorize that peggy's killer they think that they stabbed her as she was walking along the road right by where she next to the field you know right um because she had been killed with one stab wound and then picked her up and perhaps by the wrists and dragged her into the field that's what Mm -hmm. they think happened um they also there was also 28 footprints going around and they poured they took photos of all of them but they only plastered uh, eight of them. So, according to the coroner, she died from a single stab wound in the upper left back. Wasn't that crazy? Like one stab wound, and she like died pretty quickly from it. Yeah, it's almost like he knew where to stab you, yeah. someone to kill them. Um, she likely died early in the morning. Her body had been sexually mutilated. Uh, Here we go. There's a precise a precise removal of her nipple and areola, as well as 
of female circumcision, including what one doctor described as a partial vulvectomy. Oh, no. Yeah. A procedure that requires high skill and quality surgical equipment to perform. So the the knife she was stabbed with is not the same tool that was used to sexually mutilate her. Jesus Christ. I know. God, I feel like I'm numb to this shit now a little bit. Well, it seems to happen a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I think that's part of it. It happens all the time and people pretend like it's some kind of distant, creepy, crazy thing. And it's like, no, pretty much happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. It's horrifying. Yeah. Um, so there's neat cuts. It's all uh, like that. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So let's talk about Peggy. She's a small woman, about 115 pounds, flaming red hair, really pretty woman. She worked at a department store and was described by friends as fun, loving, artistic. She was kind of an Annie Hall type. Uh, and she was working on her a novel in her free time about a f- uh, diamond smugglers. It was fiction. Ooh. Sounds fucking fun. I wish I could read that. So after leaving work at around 9 p.m. the night before, February 10th, 1997, she is locked out of her apartment because her friend who she is letting stay there fell the fuck asleep and she couldn't wake her up. Hmm. And so she goes to a couple local bars um, and she, uh, by about 1230, she's at the prime minister pub and grill and she runs into her sometimes boyfriend, Matt Zollner. He's a local car salesman. He's there with another woman, but they hug and kiss and talk. He offers her a ride home, but she ends up leaving by herself at 1.15 mm. in the morning. Mm. So six hours and less than 500 yards later, her body is found. Wow. Yeah. So... So then the investigators are canvassing the area. There's some houses nearby. There's some trailers. They're talking to people, seeing if they saw anything, especially the people whose windows face the field. And they uh, they talk to the father of a 15-year-old high school student named Timothy Masters. Cause he, and the father says that he watched his son leave for school that morning and deviate from his usual path across the field and stop at something and then keep walking to his normal, uh, his normal route. So they live in a mobile home about a hundred feet from where Peggy's body had been found. So Tim, Timothy's pulled out of class and the, uh, Lieutenant Jim Roderick, he's running the show. He's like in charge of the investigation. They interrogate 15 year old Timmy the for 10 hours he's alone he said that the reason he didn't call the police he had seen the body that morning but he thought it was um, a mannequin mm-hmm. he thought and then later he was like oh, that was weird there's something wrong with someone playing a prank on me like he didn't get it yeah you know it was just 15 15 can you and it's like that's the thing of like your brain doesn't want it to be a mannequin so like or to be a body so but throughout the day it feels it seems like he was kind of figuring out what was going on and his mind and if you came upon a dead body of a mutilated yeah. woman not just a stabbed woman but like a terribly mutilated woman i think that would put you into a kind of trauma state yeah shock mm-hmm. mode yeah where you would and also this wasn't the time of cell phones this no. was a while ago yeah so he would have to keep walking to school to tell anybody yeah and then maybe by the time he got there he was like couldn't deal with like yeah. couldn't talk about it and I saw a photo of the crime scene. It, she kind of does look like a mannequin. Like mm-hmm. she's so pale, her red hair, you know, it's just like, and the guy, the, the, you know, the adult who ended up calling the police, the bicyclist thought it was a mannequin too. And he's an adult. So, yeah. you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but 
uh, da, 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 da. He says he's innocent as fuck. They administer a lie detector test. The results are inconclusive, of course. Um, but he is on the top of the suspect list because he just because he didn't uh, tell police about the body. Right. So they search his home. They search the sinks for blood. They they search the school locker. They search the cl- his clothes to see if there's blood on anything. And instead, they find and confiscate 2,200 pages of writing and violent artwork that Timothy had in his bedroom that he saved. He was kind of like a meticulous saver and saved all of his journals and shit. Um, and they, let's see, in his bedroom, backpack, and school locker, and he has a knife collection mm. and pornography. Mm-hmm. And this is the 80s, and that's not okay. Um, yeah. So there's no trace of Peggy's blood or hair at all anywhere including on his clothes and the knife collection, but police are, like, convinced it's him. And these drawings, I'm sure you've seen them. They're, like, 15-year-old metalhead 1987 boy drawings. And they're fucked up, for sure. Yes. They're definitely fucked up. Uh, Yes, I've seen, like, there's a some kind of a 2020 type of thing. Yeah. I'll show you all of them. And But it's also that thing where so is, like, metal art is fucked up. It's like Eddie from the Iron Maiden album covers. It's one of the scary... I remember seeing that album cover for the first time at the record store and shitting a brick. It was like, it's a skeleton with long white hair that's, like, and long fingernails coming at you. It was part of that... Part of it. Yeah. You're supposed to be, like... It's fucked up and scary and, you know, I'm brave. And he's this, like, you know, he's, like, this l- kind of loner, skinny kid, like, long, messy hair, uh, not a lot of friends. His mom had died four years earlier. He lived in a trailer with his dad. So he sounded like he was kind of a drifter type of kid. Probably got bullied and beaten, have getting the shit beaten out of him right. constantly. Right. Uh, so the shit he was drawing, you know, skeletons with knives and like, and a lot of like shit against women too. Like, it's not pretty. Right. For sure. Yeah. But, um, it would just be interesting if they like searched all the lockers and pulled out right. all the boy art. Right. Would they be finding, it's not, there's not a draw me like one of your French ladies situation happening in high school. Yeah. When you're your most like fucked up and unhappy and uncomfortable. Totally. Yeah. So, okay. So acquaintance of Peggy said that she, uh, that Peggy had recently been concerned over someone she had been dating. Um, they ruled out her ex, her sometimes boyfriend that she had seen the night before because a woman said that, you know, she had gone home with him. Um, but this dude Broderick, Jim Broderick, the fucking lieutenant, is laser focused on. He is like convinced, even though there's a lot of other investigators that are like, we don't, they don't think it's him. But he is like, doesn't really look into other anyone else. Um, so Timothy Masters, they, but they don't have enough to arrest him. So he grows up. He joins the Navy, sails around the world, becomes an aircraft mechanic. He never has any discipline or violent problems or violent offenses. He's honorably discharged from the Navy. Okay. Then the fast forward to 1996. Um, this detective, Jim Broderick, asks a forensic psychologist in San Diego named Reed Malloy to study t- uh, Timothy Masters you know, 15 year old fucked up artwork. Yeah. And, uh, he'd kind of had a, a weird reputation. This guy read, uh, Malloy. He is an expert witness on sexual homicides. He thinks that you can read a person's personality into this artwork, which is kind of debated in the field. Um, and he even dec- disclosed that he was 
himself had sexually sadistic fantasies. Uh oh. So this guy's problematic. Well, hold on a second. Yeah, that's not that's not good. No. Well, but but maybe he was saying that like it's human. That that kind of goes against what his thing is because it's like, well, basically, are you is the argument that everybody has them yeah. or like it's self expression because then you can't like focus in and be like this. That's uh, like you wouldn't understand it unless you had it too. Yes. Yeah. But also, it's art. Art self expression is you know that's what art is for right and you really need to do especially it when you school. don't think anyone else is going to see it yes it's private and you're tr- like you're trying to work some shit out yeah well, i don't know anyway fuck man no it's fucked up okay so this dude reed malloy analyzes um the writing and artwork extensively and concludes without ever having spoken to him to timothy masters says that he um that some of the drawings represented masters reliving the crime. So he was like, see this drawing where it looks kind of like they're dragging a body. That's him reliving the crime. Um, and then there's this one, there's like it's this weird triangle with a stab wound in it. And it looks, it looks like a stab wound for sure. But he, this dude is like, Oh, it's a vagina and he's cutting into it. And it matches perfectly with the actual crime of um, Peggy's, vagina getting mutilated so they think that he went to school then went home and immediately started scribbling in tons and tons of notebooks no they think some of the drawings from are from after the murder before they got the notebooks but most of them were before but these ones like like fantasy right okay right so the triangle one was from before but this other one was from after it doesn't make sense okay and it's funny too because I watched I watched the cold case episode about this, and it's before. Uh, so so this dude is like it's totally him. He's the killer. Um, and in August 1988, based on this, Jim Broderick goes to California and arrests 27 year old Jim Masters for the murder murder of Peggy Hetrick based solely on this evidence and circumstantial evidence. And 12 years later, yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Over a thousand pages of Timothy Masters' violent artwork are admitted into evidence, uh, including the vagina drawing. And so at the end of the trial, they held up like a close up photo of of Peggy's uh, wounds on her vagina next to a f- blown up photo of this triangle drawing and said it's chilling. They're the same thing. <sighs> and even the like, it's just so creepy and then they also show it's the thing of like i think in some cases i mean i've heard about you can't show that many horrifying photos of the body at the trial because it brings an emotional response to the jury so instead of you know thinking about the facts or they're seeing these photos and you know so they they had like photo after photo of of what happened to her at right. the at the trial so then they're just like they it doesn't matter if it's him or not they just want this right. clo- they want to get this like solved and out of their right mind. or it's almost like and i think this happened too where it was like some people think where it was like they weren't sure he did it but they saw this stuff over and over again and they were like well what if it is and yes. we we know what happened we can't let him go right um so so this though some jurors had doubts about his guilt his drawings and writings were cited by the jury members as compelling evidence against him and um he is um He's found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. Okay. Da 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 da. Ba 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 ba. In 2004, cuts to 2004, that's 99, 2004, um, Timothy Masters 
mounts an appeal on the grounds of ineffective, ineffective counsel. And um, that he gets a new defense team. They begin investigating the case. And they discover that evidence, including the hair that was found on Hetrick that wasn't his, that wasn't Timothy's hair, and photographs of the fingerprints found in her purse were all missing. And they had never been turned over to the defense. Or no, no, they're missing now. Yes. So during the 2000 uh, and blah, 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 blah. so they, they allege that the prosecutors withheld evidence about links to another case that happened in the Fort Collins area about Dr. Richard Hammond, who was a potentially a suspect. Let's fucking talk about Dr. Richard Hammond, everyone's favorite. So in, let's go back to 1995, seven years after the murder of Peggy. Dr. Richard Hammond is an eye surgeon in the Fort Collins area. He's arrested for secretly filming women's genitalia. I copied and pasted that, obviously, Um, including uh, his patients and in his own home through fake ventilation grates in his downstairs bathroom. So he put fucking video in the toilet and... They said video after video, there were these highly calibrated shots zooming into the vaginal area of women in his toilet. They were extreme close-ups and they were almost microscopic. Investigators also found that Hammond kept thousands of dollars worth of pornography hidden in a locked office and a storage shed in town, indicating an obsession with female genitalia. He also had a secret bank account, secret apartment, and a secret identity. And as a surgeon, he, of course, had the skills and equipment to perform the precision mutilation that was found on her body. So it was it could have been a uh, exacto knife or a razor blade. And in 1987, Hammond's bedroom window overlooked the location of where Peggy Hetrick's body was discovered. And he was home the morning after the murder, despite his usually scheduled surgeries on that day of the week. So that was out of character for him. Then, um, but no follow-up investigation was ever done after that, after that because he committed suicide several days after his arrest. And Jim Broderick didn't look into it, didn't look at a connection. Maybe, you know, he, maybe Peggy had been a, a client or a patient of his, who knows. And another uh, weird twist, two weeks after Peggy's murder, a woman who was red haired and kind of looked like Peggy who worked at the prime minister bar where Peggy had last been seen. She's out front of the bar selling tickets and here's someone behind her and a man with quote, a bodybuilder physique was glaring at her. He pulled an icicle from behind his back and made several stabbing motions in the air. What? And she said he had a bodybuilder physique. Dr. Hammond was a bodybuilder. Sorry. He, an icicle from where? I don't know. I guess the roof. Jesus. I know. Okay. Yeah. So it was argued that it couldn't actually have been done, the mutilation, because it was so precise in the middle of a field in the dark like that. So mm-hmm. it actually maybe happened somewhere else. Um, and then there was no way a 15-year-old could perform that sur- that surgical procedure. Okay. And you think... You'd think that that would be, yeah. Even though you're saying that the lead detective was like on, you know, only, which yeah. I know that happens. But there's those kinds of things where it's like a logic problem. Yeah, a lot of it. Yes, this is a person that's like doing violent art and doing upsettingly violent art where there's an there's clearly a problem that like that has not been addressed yeah. in any way. Yeah. But then you're just adding all this like 15 is like he can't, he can't drive yet. And he's the skinny little kid. He so like carrying a person's body on his own isn't doesn't make any sense there's no blood evidence anywhere on him it's like the the circumstantial evidence does not stand up to the fucking evidence that it's not him except all. for 
And again, it's, it's what you're saying is the effect of like pictures on people yeah. and what you can read into pictures and what pictures make you feel yeah. and how the power of that and then attributing what that power is and saying, I know what you meant when you drew this. It makes sense in your head. Yeah. Well, they, so I watched the Cold Case Files episode. So his case is going to get overturned. But, bef- but before they make the Cold Case episode as if when he gets uh, sent to jail, he did it. The end, period. Cold oh. case over. So the cold case isn't up to date. You don't mean cold case, the, the TV show I'm with sorry. the blonde actress. Do you cold know? case files. Oh, okay. 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 Sorry, I wasn't trying to No, I'm one. glad you said that. I'm like, I based this all off of cold case files. <laughs> cold case. Um, so, they're ta- so they actually, the, um, the prosecutors are interviewed in this because they're like, yeah, look what we did. We solved it. And and the one woman who was the prosecutor was like, I saw the drawings and I thought, I got it. You know, it's like the, I got a chill and I knew he did it. Yeah, it's that shit. Yes, of and course. Being able to watch that from a place of knowing he didn't is fucking creepy because yeah. it's like it's totally in her gut. She thinks he did it based on those looking at those photos, based on surface things. Yeah, and it, that's which is how so much crime yeah gets prosecuted or ignored. Yeah, because then if you're also a clean cut. Uh, rich guy, then you're not, you're not, it's not considered because totally. that's beyond the imagination. Yeah. Cause we all know who looks right and right. we know who's responsible for things in society and then who's, who does bad things. And that's, you need it to keep it that simple yeah. to not freak out every day. This is bad. This is good. In your little world, that makes total sense. And but it's not like that. Nuances, man. If, if anything else, if nothing else, I mean, let this podcast be the place where we say psychopaths <laughs> are real good at dressing up like yeah. the good guy. Yeah. That's the whole idea. Yeah. And sociopaths. You're not going to see crazy on the surface in someone who's really fucking good at it and mm-hmm. smart. Shit. Okay. Um, but, 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 but. So, oh, and also her body appeared really clean and an expert later told the legal team that a sponge line appeared to run down the side of her body like she had been sponged off. Oh. Because there was like no blood on her body. Even though she'd been stabbed in the back and murdered with that stab. Yeah, I think there was blood on her, you know, in the back, but no blood on the front of her body. No blood on her genitals? Yeah. Wow. So Well, then it would have had to have been cleaned up. Yeah. So they say that her body must have been washed. And they also tried to drag a woman the same size as Peggy through the um, field. And it just can't be done with one person the size of Timothy. The the size of a freshman in high school or sophomore. sophomore, Yeah. But he's a skinny little kid. Okay. Um, Okay, so the arrest, so the arrest of Dr. Hammond and his subsequent suicide is, is, it's information that's withheld from the dude who was reading, um, who thinks he could fucking tell by the drawings, Dr. Malloy. Right. So he was never told about any of the circumstances around other the case. Suspects. Right. Um, so that's withheld from him and other experts, and the FBI was not informed of this case either to reconsider their profiling of masters from 1987. So they were never told that there could be another suspect. And so this Dr. Malloy's fucking pissed at them for that. And he's like, I wouldn't have testified against, I wouldn't have testified for you guys if I'd known this. So in January, 2008, advanced DNA testing is uh, done in Europe on the clothes of, of Peggy. And scientists found DNA on the cuffs of her blouse and on the waistband of her underwear that didn't match Timothy Masters. And some of the genetic material, all of it left by skin cells, so it's the new touch DNA craziness, mm-hmm. is matched to Peggy's longtime on-again, off-again boyfriend, <gasps> the dude she was at 
saw at the bar, but which she might have and kissing him. Yeah. So okay. it might have been, but it just would have made it that he's the focus, not Timothy. But of course, but he has. It doesn't sound like a really tight alibi, but he has an alibi. Okay. So on January 22nd, 2008, a Colorado judge vacates Timothy Masters' conviction and orders him released immediately. And in June 2011, um, he says he's no longer, no longer a suspect in the murder and he's completely exonerated. And how old is he now? I don't know how old he is, but he spent 10 years in jail. So oh. he was arrested when he was 27. So he's, you know, Fuck. almost 10 years, like nine and a half years in oh. jail. I know. So um, the prosecutors are disciplined in the case and um, fucking Lieutenant Jim Broderick is like getting some crazy. He's indicted on eight counts of felony first degree perjury for material false statements he made uh, with the arrest and conviction. But the fucking three year statute of limitations for perjury is gone. So even though this kid spent 10 fucking years and you can't get that back, his statute of limitations I hate statute of limitations. Okay. Um, but then he's indicted again. They're like, no, dude, nine counts this time. Um, but those charges are also dismissed, but he, he resigns. Yeah. Um, I would hope. Yeah. So the uh, county settles with Timothy Masters for it, it, initially, it, he basically gets almost $10 million. Holy shit. Yeah. A million dollars a year for going to jail. Yeah. Fuck. Take it or leave it. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. You sound, in your voice, it almost sounded like, that's easy. Well, <laughs> I, do I think that. that was passing through my head. But yeah. I mean, obviously, no, no fucking way. Of course it's not. It's living hell. Of course not. No, so I don't know anyone that would. No, there's nobody, right? I mean, unless people have been like, no, I've, I like my cousins are all on the inside and I'll be fine. If you had yeah. some kind of guarantee of protection, you were the head of some jail gang or some shit like that. <laughs> or like, you know, those, all those stories of like the, um, when like the, the mafia guys go to jail and they have like their yeah. own, you know, they have their own lazy boy chair and like their shit. <laughs> I don't even have a lazy boy chair and I'm not in jail. <laughs> I must be thinking of like, oh, good fellows or yeah. whatever, where they're like making, uh, making pasta and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, I bet it's like that. For some people. I bet it is. But I bet it's a real, it really drops off if you don't have that. Yeah. On year three, you're like, oh, this might have been a mistake. I could have maybe made money. Like yeah. the lottery. Yeah. but th- Which is also why we all have to remember there's a lot of things going on in the world. So this isn't, this is nobody's priority right now. But for-profit jails Ugh. is the most evil concept. And, uh. it, and they have to be, they have to be gotten rid of. Like that idea is, is what's going to drive us into a dystopian future. The idea Preach. that they would make money of keeping people in jail, which is already hellish for most people and already there are so many people in jail that like this guy how many stories of this of, of, of black men I was yeah and you're completely right about fucking just the, the basic conflict of interest that you make money the more people are in jail the more people it are in jail it, it, it's so wrong you can't get beat past that there's no argument past that I actually won a fight with my uncle at uh, dinner one time because we started talking about it he was like no I think and then I was just like this and this and we're just yeah. like you simply can't it, it's already happened in a lot of cases you know where obviously where people are like it's either people are on the take or they know that you know they get certain cases through where it's like don't even listen yeah. they don't have right representation or whatever and boom 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 totally. Uh, it's just a nightmare. If you ever get a chance to vote against four, pro- just yeah. just educate yourself on that. Yeah, uh, because God, 
please god no it's a nightmare it doesn't make any sense oh this whole world yeah it's a fucking mess anyway um yeah so he got all that money but we still don't know who killed peggy it's a, it's a cold case mm-hmm. and they said they're looking into it but i haven't been able to find any updated articles any any fucking information i think when you and I talked about this, we also talked about comparing it to the movie The River's Edge, mm-hmm. which is a movie from the late 80s, I believe. Yeah, I think so. And it's one of the most disturbing. When I saw it, I was like a teenager and it was so, so disturbing. Um, but it was ki- that was like this that kind of era where it was like teens today are becoming very disaffected and right. no one cares and there's an apathy and it's uh not that that movie is trying to say that specifically but it was almost like this that was a cultural thing yeah. in that uh tipper gore era of like your music is bad and right. your rap music and all satan. this kind of people yes. are actually satanists these teenagers are, yeah the yeah. satanic panic whole right. thing and so instead of these days where we're slowly learning that it's like a trauma response mm-hmm. whereas like if something like that happens to you as a child yeah uh you would never know how to deal with it and you could completely be in shock literal sh- physical shock for yeah. days on top of the fact that boys are taught especially if he was being raised only by his father yeah. you're not allowed to have feelings he couldn't go to school and start crying yeah he couldn't he, you know what i mean like he's supposed to either man up uh you know like the his well, choices it, were so limited in dealing with that problem and from what i could see when he's talking about why he didn't call the police and what he thought it was a mannequin is that throughout the morning he he is slowly starting to realize what it what what it was it's like it, he needs to get there so maybe he would have called the police later in the day yeah once he it kind of dawned on him because he was like contemplating he's like i got on the bus and i was like is someone playing a trick on me that looked like a man is someone trying to prank me like he didn't understand what it was <sighs> and i think that that's i think your yeah your brain won't say there's a dead body it says there's a mannequin which is why we're always like it's not a mannequin it's because we can't fucking even deal with the fact that something might be a dead body your brain is our immediate like mannequin yes not real to explain this away yeah. so that that so that this panic doesn't rise in me and right. make all of my systems go berserk right for sure and also then once some some that piece of information does go it like like if he did see her genitals yeah. that would have he that would have traumatized him so terribly totally. it doesn't matter what fucking some kid draws in a notebook yeah the real thing is totally different yeah and if you listen to heavy metal and you're trying to be a tough guy that's one thing or like if you're expressing your rage for whatever reason that's one thing yeah but seeing it in real life must have been horrifying right. for this kid right and like the, the saddest part is that this whole charade and this whole insane, you know, uh, laser focus on this kid and these 30 fucking years of this case. And there's no, but there's nobody held responsible for Peggy's murder. And it's almost, it's just not the focus anymore of the, of the case. Right. So if that hadn't been the case, then maybe her murder would have been solved. Well, yeah, that's the, the problem with the ego coming into it. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's just, I think like they're, they're learning better and better and faster and faster as these things come up where it's mm-hmm. like, well, it used to be for years and hundreds of years, it was all theory mm-hmm. and it was whoever could kind of like, you know, boss the situation the best they could and mm-hmm. make everybody feel safe again. Yeah. Cause that's a lot of it too. And then it's just like, but now it's like, here's a proof that didn't happen. Here's the proof that, you know, it's not 
that way and everyone has to adapt and like you know it's same thing of cops not uh, not cooperating across county lines where it's like okay so you'd prefer to go unsolved than to have help well it's like and everyone did that including the prosecutors and one of one of the women female prosecutors said that she was embarrassed that she hadn't didn't have more info or something like that it's just yeah you can't you can't do that and and i think this is one of those cases of like that they use as an example of why you can't you can't make the evidence fit your suspect yes it has to be the other way around totally yeah exactly right which sorry because i know a lot of people like went the other direction after a while but that's the Stephen avery thing there's no fucking evidence that any of the stuff that brendan dassey was like led to say yeah they couldn't find a drop of fucking blood in that in his house where he where the one witness who got him convicted said it happened right it didn't happen that way now it could have happened a different way or something else could have happened that's nobody has been like talked about but that one thing didn't happen mm-hmm. that convicted him mm-hmm. that's what's fucked up totally Blech. it's all fucked crime well, this, is this our 99th episode is it 98 oh, 98 thank god. thank god so we have two weeks to find a fucking person to have on the show or just think of a theme yeah let's not add that onto the show (laughs) i was gonna say you're like no we have to do something now (laughs) i know i don't know why i thought of that what if we just don't do a hundredth episode and we just go right to one straight to 101 (laughs) yeah it's like the 13th floor yeah the 13th floor wayside wayside school episode (laughs) what if we just didn't do a hundredth episode whatever you want i don't give a shit i mean i've already bought your present but that's fine (laughs) did you buy me something no You're excited I got the joy on your face. Now you have to get me something. Yes. Now we have to get each other okay. something. Yeah. Okay. Shit. I guess I'm part of that. <laughs> I didn't even think about wait, wait, it. Wait, God, I should give me a land of lakes straight back. I'm saving nope, that. Nope. Too late. Fuck. It's, it's already been on social media. Uh, it is a gift that's been given. Uh, you have man. to get you also you have to one up Land Lakes because Land Lakes was a rando. I I love you and I love this reference gift. Mm-hmm. What but if I get you another specific Land Lakes tray? You can't second la- tray me. <laughs> you can't have one tray. You have to have two. I'm going to go. I'm going to find that lady um, from whatever from the Florida city and get that lady buck some jewelry box back. <gasps> I'm going to buy it for double the price. I love it. <laughs> Which is like nothing. Oh, that's a good one. Damn it. $30. What am I going to do? Um, yeah, we got it. This is fun. This is uh we have now have 2 weeks to yeah. give a 100 100th episode gift. Okay. And it has to be we it would have to please a Martha Stewart. Okay. And it would have to please uh somebody else that would be on the other. I guess a Snoop Dogg. Okay. That's the other end of that. Sure. Everyone has to Okay. And please all that comes, it would have to, oh, please. got it. It would have to. And Do it, we have to use every word these days? I don't days? know. Can we leave some out? <laughs> Jesus, there's just too many. Can't I drop four words and change the meaning of the sentence I'm saying and have you follow along? Um, what do you, what made you happy this week? Do you know? I forgot it. Was it your hangover? Ugh, not having a hangover. <laughs> well, I, well, I guess it didn't make me happy. It made me cry, but I really liked it. The thing I liked this week? You liked to cry? No. 
Can uh, I tell you what I liked this week? That's what I want to hear. Okay. Yeah. This week, okay, my therapist told me about a podcast that I need to listen to. And now I'm fucking obsessed with it. Oh, yes, that's right. Oh, my God. That's right. And it made me sit in my car and ball and like listen to the end of the, one of the episodes. It's called um, Where Should We Begin? And it's this therapist named Esther Perel. And she, it's an anonymous couples therapy session that <sighs> she recorded chords and you and kind of she talks you through it too and it's like so beautiful and so well done and even if it's like a couple that you don't relate to it's these themes that make you kind of understand things more and I like did one like Vince and I went to therapy this week I was like I heard this and I want to do this like can we try this this is what I want like and, yeah. and it really it was really beautiful and so there's an episode that I fucking the one I cried from is called um it's called Trauma Doesn't Like to Be Touched. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a beautiful episode. I think everyone should listen to it. Oh, I want to, that, you sent that one to me, right? Yeah, you yeah. have to. I'm going to listen to it, but I keep going. Do I feel like bawling right now? No, <laughs> I, know, I don't. I, I, know. I don't actually. I'm going to save it. Yeah, it's hard to be like, you're going to cry your eyes out and be really sad and moved. Yeah. I sometimes I like that. Yeah. But it has to like sneak. You know what's good? That I, that's good for on a plane. Yeah. I love to just do a weird cry next to somebody oh, on a plane. That's good. Because something about I that happens to me a lot when I travel. Something about taking off and landing, I just start crying. Like I'll start <laughs> thinking about like either I'm landing back into my life and it's this this and this mm -hmm. or when I'm taking off I'm like whatever it's very transitional maybe hmm. and it gets me emotional and then i'll just sit there like slowly wiping tears oh my while God. the person next to me is like um do i say anything do you want pretzels the lady's <laughs> offering pretzels <laughs> all uh, right what's yours did i already tell you about going to hamilton did i talk about it on the show already you went to hamilton bitch i went to hamilton when my friend this was like two weeks ago probably my you friend didn't tell me my friend oh that's right because Okay. Uh, my friend, Stephanie, um, who I, we've talked about a lot on this mm -hmm. podcast, but she email or texted me and was like, would, uh, if I got Hamilton tickets, would you want to go? And I was like, I absolutely would love to. I just would never do it on my own. Yeah. So we went Pantages. Oh my God. Uh, we were, I realized this is unfortunate. I realized as I was sitting there, I need one stronger glasses prescription because I can't see oh, in the glasses that I have anymore far enough oh, away, no. which was a bummer because I was like squinting like a lunatic the whole time. But it was so fucking good. Ugh. Now, how dumb am I to be saying that out loud nine years after the fact? But when things like that come out, I'm always the one that's like, I bet it's not. Yeah. I bet I know better. Yeah. I bet I have uh, superior taste, whatever. Which is a lame habit that I'm, it's just leftover Kurt Cobain issues that I have from the nineties that I have totally. to let go of. But it really reminded me how much I love to be a fan. I love to be a fan. Yeah. It makes me feel so good. And when you watch something that is better than the hype and there's no, there's nothing that's more hyped than Hamilton. Totally. And it absolutely doesn't just live up to it. It goes beyond it. And there was a moment. This is how people, people, this is the oldest thing I could be saying, but 
There's a moment and one of the lines in the musical is immigrants get things done. Mm. And there's so many people in the theater that have already seen it at least once just for that part. They explode with cheers and then immediately stop because they know they don't want to block everybody's enjoyment of the rest oh of the song. Oh my God, that's awesome. And it made me burst into tears. Oh. It was like immigrants get things done. It's like, <gasps> and then it just stops. And it was like, and I went, yeah, I'm, I am too. I'm like, I I'm you guys. generation away. I'm immigrants. That's me. <laughs> It was the fucking coolest, best thing, best lyrics, coolest music, best story, everything. I'm going. Can I get to, is it hard to get tickets? It's impossible to okay. get tickets. I'm not going, but <laughs> I would love it. It just is so worth it. And, 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 you know, and there are people who are like, I think there are people who are trying to insinuate, oh, if it's in LA, it's not going to be as good of a cast or right. this or that. Well, those people are high as kites because <laughs> the people that I saw at the Pantages I don't know. I'm sure Lin-Manuel Miranda was amazing yeah. in it. I wouldn't have replaced any of those people nice. with anybody else. They okay. were incredible. And when people can sing in a theater that big. Oh, my God. I just. It so is so much talent. I love it so much. What they a, fill up the whole room. What an incredible skill. Yeah. That I'll never have. I know. Oh, wait. We do that. Wait. What? We do that. We just don't sing. <laughs> That's right. That's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> It's a big fucking difference, yeah. I'll tell you. You know what? You're right. Um, so, you know, great, just like groundbreaking revelation, Karen, Hamilton is good. Karen with the fucking <laughs> update. Um, you guys are great. Thank you. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Bye. Bye. Dottie? Want cookie? Want cookie? Hmm? <laughs> Dottie? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, that sounded a lot like Elvis. Oh, well, I guess I'm getting another one. I know. I know, my <laughs>